Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, this episode is part of our holiday 2023 special series called Unpolished Gold. It's a curated collection of conversations and insights designed to highlight career professionals navigating transitions and experts with a wealth of knowledge to share. So as the year winds down, it's the perfect time to reassess, rebrand, and reinvigorate your career aspirations, remembering that every challenge is an opportunity in disguise and every transition is a doorway to new possibilities. Stay tuned for our next episode. And if you'd like to be a guest during a special series running through New Year's 2024, go to unpolishedmba.com forward slash gold. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with anyone who might benefit from these insightful discussions. Here's to uncovering and celebrating the unpolished gems within us all. Happy holidays. Welcome to the Unpolished MBA podcast and our special holiday series called Unpolished Gold, Mining for Talent in Transition, where we uncover the hidden gems of the professional world this holiday season. You have done an excellent job of branding and being personable and relatable and kind and consistent. I'm not trying to prove my expertise. I'm trying to prove my value to people. That's what I'm doing. I love it. I'm your host, Monique Mills, and I have a guest with me today who's truly mastered the art of personal branding and has leveraged LinkedIn to incredible heights. So please welcome the LinkedIn guy, Greg Burkhalter. Hi, Greg. Hello, Monique, and thank you for that very kind intro. I have been looking so forward to being on your podcast. You are the first person I think of when I think of LinkedIn experts, and the fact that LinkedIn is so powerful comes up on almost every episode of the show. So they're going to learn a lot from you. I, I want to start with just, let's let's start at the basic of what even got you interested in LinkedIn as a platform? How did you even become the LinkedIn guy? Well, I sort of stumbled into it, Monique. My early career was in music and broadcasting. In fact, I started out on the air at 16 years old at radio stations in Georgia. Then I worked in Florida. Then I came to Atlanta, believe it or not, later in my broadcasting career. And then I stumbled into a music distribution job. Actually, that was my dream job, Monique, as a job that I didn't even know the job existed, but it gave me the opportunity to spend a lot of my days working alongside major label recording artists to promote their music into distribution channels across America. And that's what I did for the bulk of my career. And like most people in today's work world, that dream job, that industry that you love so much sometimes doesn't survive until the end of your career. That was my case. About 10 years ago, that job, that dream job disappeared. The company went bankrupt. I was working in the music business. As we well know, the music business dramatically changed when streaming came along. Yep. And basically, when the LinkedIn guy journey began, it was basically, it just fell in my lap. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I was a little winded from losing my dream job. Mm -hmm. And 
my friend says, Greg, if you're going to try to pursue some sort of new career, you got to be on LinkedIn, set up a LinkedIn account. I said, nah, I don't want to be on social media. I'll pass on that. He goes, nope, doesn't work that way. I'm going to make you get on LinkedIn because I care. Set up your account. Set up my LinkedIn account. Started using it. No clue if it's working well or not. One year in, a large chamber of commerce in Atlanta asked me to do a LinkedIn workshop. At that point, I decided, you know what? I'm going to try to do something that I don't know if anybody's ever done successfully at that point. Build a business around training people on how to use LinkedIn and personal branding and creating a term called the LinkedIn guy and trying to get people believe in that person. Well, you actually, you have accomplished that for sure. But I want to go back to the music. I'm not going to let you glaze over the music distribution part. That's so interesting that you came from the music industry and now you're kind of like this, you know, the suit and tie professional guy on LinkedIn. I just want to know, and I'm sure other people want to know, in the music business, are there any artists that you met that was the most memorable? Let me rephrase that question and say, Greg, who did you meet that you were giddy about? Like, oh, okay, That's a much better way to say that. Yeah. The answer to that question, the Bee Gees. I had always wanted to be near the Bee Gees. Wow. Had an opportunity to actually meet and hang backstage with the Bee Gees. What an incredible experience that was. I also, working in the music business, got to go to concerts probably on average two to three times per week. But here's something that you don't know about the music business. There's also private parties that used to be called listening parties. Mm -hmm. And these were parties they would invite you to if you were an insider of the music business. The artist would be there, and there would be no more than 20 or 30 people at this private event. One of the biggest ones I remember was my record label representative at Sony Music says, Greg, we have this new young lady from Canada we've just signed. We're going to bring her to Roswell, Georgia, to a private wedding venue. Would you please come and support us by attending? You don't know her name, but she will be there. So I attended the event. Saw this very nice, cute, young 18-year-old lady, singing artist, this person whose name I never knew, got up on stage and they said, this person is going to sing one song for you. This is her debut single. And when I heard Celine Dion sing for the very first time, I heard notes I had never heard before. So I met Celine Dion on her first American visit to Atlanta, Georgia at 18 years old. Oh, my. I know you have tons of stories about about your time in the music industry. It was fun. It was a fun run. That's while it incredible. Wow. Before we move on from that, when you meet these singers and stuff, are they down to earth folks for the most part? Well, for the most part, yes, they're kind people. There is one person whose name I will not mention okay. out of respect of damaging their brand is there was one major soul artist who one time was very rude to me. I waited in line for like an hour to meet this person, and they refused to have any interaction with me because I didn't buy their particular product they were selling, even though I've been selling their music for three decades. So that's probably the most rude person. I've also seen artists with their hair down. Like, for example, one time I was, was invited to the hotel room of the band Dr. Hook, and I got to sit there with Dr. Hook with the patch off his eye. I mean, just the crazy <laughs> things you get to do they don't normally get to see. And of course, there's been one instance where one of my heroes in music 
disappointed me one time when he started acting in such a manner I wasn't predicting, but I wanted to meet the person. I got to meet the person, but sometimes it just doesn't work out exactly as you have planned. One of the coolest things I ever got to do, I became personal friends with Merle Haggard and his manager, and I had the opportunity to introduce Merle Haggard on stage twice and bring him on stage as the person introducing him. And the cool thing also sort of related that was, due to my connections in the music business, had the opportunity to go to the Grand Ole Opry at the Ryman Auditorium, stand side stage for the whole event. The person who brought me there says, Greg, I'm leaving. Uh, It's getting late. I said, yeah, let's go. He goes, no, you don't have to leave. You can go anywhere you want. So for the next hour, I looked in every nook and cranny, (laughs) upstairs, downstairs, at the Ryman Auditorium with nobody around me. It was amazing. Thanks for sharing that with us. It takes me into my next question, though, because we're ta- I'm going to talk a little bit about career transitions. So you've done the trans- an amazing transition. How can someone looking to transition careers or, you know, seeking a job um, optimize their LinkedIn profile for best results? You've accomplished it. How can others do that? Well, to, to build your brand on LinkedIn and to enjoy success, and your journey on that success, it takes relationships. So let's just say, first of all, the foundation of life and business is relationships. Your LinkedIn profile pays into that part, but your LinkedIn profile is not the solution to trying to do anything. It's relationships, having people who believe in you and support you. But when it comes to LinkedIn nowadays, most first impressions are formed online as a result of a Google search. We all do it. Before we meet someone, right after we meet someone, we'll Google their name. And nine times out of 10, that person's LinkedIn profile shows up at number one or number two. So all these people who have a profile out there who have neglected it, they're probably being embarrassed on a regular basis every day by people who are landing on their profile and going, wow, this doesn't look very good. Or you have the other people like where I was before I started my LinkedIn guy journey, the rebellious people. The people who say, I am digitally dormant and I'm proud of it. Well, here's the reality. Being digital dormant nowadays is not an advantage. Out of sight, out of mind. Nowadays, it's not so much who you know or what you know. It's who knows you. So you've got to be present digitally. And in the business world, LinkedIn is the place where you want to be. Because LinkedIn is the storefront for your personal brand digital storefront. So it's the place where people start forming their opinions about you. And you need to ask yourself this question. If somebody lands on your profile, what do they feel? Do they feel as good about you? Do they feel better about you? Or do they feel like maybe they need to make a quick trip to the Hallmark store to buy a sympathy card? They feel sorry for you. (laughs) You better hope what they feel at your profile gets them to run towards you instead of run from you. That's the power of your LinkedIn profile. It's having a presence and the ability to be discoverable by other people. You emphasize how you make people feel is so important. So clearly you can do that through written format, through voice, which you've done your whole life, through other things of media, music, video, things like that. But how you make people feel, that's a good one. They say content is king. so. What kind of content should someone focus on posting when they're trying to build that effective personal brand on LinkedIn? 
I get this similar question from people all the time, Monique. They ask me when I meet them for the very first time and they go, hey, I need to get more active on LinkedIn. I'll start posting more. When I hear somebody say that, that's my clue that they don't totally understand the, the way you use LinkedIn properly. I mean, just starting a LinkedIn journey by posting is not going to really accomplish anything except keep you very busy. Because if you're posting and there's no engagement and there's no interest in you as a person or a brand, those posts go into la-la land and not much happens. So the beginning step of LinkedIn before posting is actually starting to grow and nurture a professional LinkedIn community of people who, A, know who you are and care about you and will support you on your efforts. Then when you start posting, it's not one size fits all. We are all unique people. I knew right out of the bat, I'm not a writer. I'm not a person who sits at the keyboard and pounds out 3,000 words with ease. But I am a person. You put a microphone in front of me or you put me on stage, I can communicate. So I realized one of the ways I spread my message is by talking. And that's why I just added this up recently for a friend who was curious what the number was. I have spoken over 400 times in the first eight years of my LinkedIn Guide journey. That is how I initially got my message out there. But on LinkedIn, what I'm doing mostly with my particular brand is I do a lot of content curation. I mean, I'll find an article related to one of my talking points, and I will share the article, which, by the way, promotes someone else and helps them get brand exposure. And I'll add my comments and my variation on the post to so they can hear my perspective on it also. That's one thing I do. Another thing I do is I enjoy using LinkedIn to promote other people. I get more goodwill and brand recognition by commenting and adding substance to other people's posts sometimes than I get by stuff that I post. LinkedIn has really ramped up the exposure your comments get. In fact, one of my tips I give my people I train now is you, if you want to start getting active on LinkedIn, one of the great things you can do before you start creating a content calendar necessarily is find people that you admire, people who are thought leaders on LinkedIn, and start commenting and supporting those people. That is the fastest way to get your small developing brand into a larger branding community. And also, one more tip I'll share, Monique, before I leave this question is this. When you're growing your LinkedIn network, don't just be connecting with potential customers, previous customers, or people in your industry. There's someone on LinkedIn that can change your life in a good way. And it's what I call a LinkedIn golden goose. What's a golden goose on LinkedIn? I'm glad you asked. Golden <laughs> goose is someone who is very well connected on LinkedIn, even though they're not in your industry. They could never buy from you. They could never do anything business related to you. But you know what? They enjoy helping other people. And they will introduce their network to help others on their journey. When you find a golden goose on LinkedIn, you have just got as much referral power from one person as you can get from 50 different people you know. So grow your network within your industry, potential clients, but do not ever neglect the golden goose. How do you think people should approach reaching out to new connections? Let's say they want to add on to their connections because you can certainly respond to people's posts and all of that without actually being connected to them. Mm -hmm. So 
What are some of your thoughts on how proactive they should be in reaching and connecting with people officially? The mindset of a lot of people on LinkedIn is if I've never met the person or talked to the person, I shouldn't connect. That is not the mindset of somebody for today's business world, okay? I'm willing to connect with good people whether I've met them or not. In fact, when I reflect on my LinkedIn use, there are so many people in my life right now that have impacted my life on a big scale that I've never met in person and may never meet in person. So what I'm telling you, just be, a, be open-minded to people of value. And when you see those people, don't just push the connect button. Go to their profile on LinkedIn on the desktop and click the connect button there. Or if the connect button's not there, click on the more button and connect will be under there. You know, give them a nice little note like, hi, Bob, this is Greg in Atlanta. And then the next sentence, let's give me a sentence of commonality. Something like, I see you attended the same college as me, or I enjoyed meeting you last night at the chamber meeting. A sentence of commonality sort of explains why you're reaching out. And then, of course, I invite them to connect saying something like, it would be an honor to add you to my LinkedIn network. And then I close my invitation out with a sentence that hopefully comes across as humble and not a sales pitch type sentence. I say, please let me know if I can ever help you in any way. So I send that off. And when someone connects with me, I write them a quick note back. Thanks for connecting, Bob. Have a nice week. The reason I write all these notes is simple. I use LinkedIn's message center. That's sort of like my relationship CRM. Because the first time I speak to someone on LinkedIn, and when I talk to that person two years later, it's the same message. So anytime I want to, I can relive my entire LinkedIn relationship with that person. So always write a personal note when you connect with people. And by the way, on the cell phone, which a lot of people use more and more these days, it's a little harder to do that. But a quick tip on how to do that, go to the person's profile. Do not click on connect. Do not click on follow. Click on the three dots next to those words and select personalize invite. And you can write that note I just described to you. I have a note in our message dialogue between each other that is probably four or five years old where you just reached out. I like the comment or a post of yours. And you literally sent me a message said, hi, Monique, thanks for the like. And you put that in, in quotes. Thanks for the like on my post. I really appreciate your support. And you said something else. And I was like, wow, I felt seen. <laughs> That's one of my recommendations when you're trying to grow your network. When somebody supports one of your posts for the very first time, whether they like it or comment, if they like your post, write them a personal note like I just did you, because first of all, it lets them know you noticed. And it also lets them know you care. And if somebody knows that you care, they're probably going to continue to support you. So yeah, see, that proves my point. That's why I write the note. You see the note, it meant something to you. So yeah, I do that all the time for first time likers. I appreciate that. I definitely felt seen. Nowadays, a lot of folks uh, use ghostwriters and third parties that manage their platform. So in reality, I know some folks that have LinkedIn profiles with thousands and thousands of connections and followers, and they have personally never, ever logged into LinkedIn. They have no idea what's going on over there. Yeah. Um, Setting up an account is only the first process of LinkedIn. So if you build a LinkedIn account and you're not present on LinkedIn, it's sort of like having a postcard and a spinner rack that nobody ever spins. Mm -hmm. So if you're not concentrating on how to get your brand and your profile discoverable, it's just a postcard in a rack. I mean, nobody's going to see it. 
Yeah, some of these folks have followings on other platforms and they just like, hey, you know, I need to get on Twitter. And they have other people manage it for them and pretty much act like it's them. That's actually becoming more and more common. But what happens is, you know, as people post, as they post and people comment and respond, they never get a response back, right? <laughs> because that person is actually not there. Yeah, the, the response to what you do, in other words, posting content is valuable. But if you're not ready to respond personally to the people who are interacting with your post, there is no momentum there. Mm -hmm. And speaking of social media channels, one thing that kind of makes me even more unique is I'm only on one social media channel. I decided to focus only on LinkedIn, not spread my knowledge or my time among other platforms. And I think that's another thing that made me unique. I have lived and breathed LinkedIn every day of my life for 10 years. So no Twitter, no Facebook, no, no other social media. But, wow. but if you'll go to Google and type in Greg Burkhalter, you will go through pages and pages before you ever lose my name because of my speaking activity mm -hmm. and the different interviews I've done, like yours, which, are, which is going to show up on Google search results. So, yeah, I built it on one social media channel. There were a lot of social media people when I was starting my journey to be the LinkedIn guy, mm -hmm. but there was no LinkedIn person. And my challenge initially, Monique, was this, convincing people there was a need for what I do. Mm -hmm. So even when I started, they weren't clamoring all over me. I had to present my brand, my message, and my thought to them consistently until they recognized, I believe there's value in this person. And thanks to Facebook, they helped me because Facebook, around the same time, started throttling back on organic reach on yeah. post, and people were looking for another avenue. And when they thought of LinkedIn, they said, what was that guy's name? The mm -hmm. LinkedIn that's how it happened. I was at the right place at the right time doing something that was didn't seem like I had a lot of hope in the early months or year there. But after a while, it got to just getting bigger and bigger. And what's so cool now, because of the traction and momentum and the relationships and the people that are supporting me, I have not solicited business in over four years. I don't pay for advertising, minor referrals, and people who discover me on LinkedIn. That's my business. You have the ultimate SEO search term, though. <laughs> the LinkedIn guy. I can type that into Google and you'll come up. Well, I also having a name, first name, Greg, G-R-E-G-G, -G, that's very helpful. So mm. by the way, if you have a LinkedIn profile and your name is John Jones and you're just starting your journey, you may want to think about adding a middle initial or a middle name because I'm telling you, Google search results control that first impression. So if there's a lot of people with your same name, some of them may have criminal records, some people may be whatever, yeah. you don't want your name as part of the mix. You want to stand out. So early on in your career, try to find a unique name, middle initial, middle name, something that makes you stand out among other people that have that very common name of yours. With so many social media platforms out there, though, why LinkedIn? I saw it was an opportunity for me to do what I've been doing my whole life, build relationships, but this time I could do it in the digital realm. What I didn't know at the time was, if you build a solid, respected personal brand, one of the benefits is you have the ability to help massive numbers of people with minimal effort in the digital realm. I never knew that. So in the last five years, I've impacted more lives than I could put my finger on 
that I have in my whole life. That's mm -hmm. the power of LinkedIn. And the other thing I liked about LinkedIn is I can control the noise around my brand. So I'm able to kind of keep the narrative tuned in to where I want the narrative to be. And I like that also. LinkedIn is a great platform. But as we see in the technology world, things come and go, right? So much. Where do you see LinkedIn headed in the next five years? Any predictions? I'll give you a prediction less than five years, okay? okay. I believe in the next year or so, you're going to see a major push from LinkedIn to push people to the paid platform. LinkedIn has been waiting for something to come along that they knew people would pay for to push them to the paid platform. When AI was first introduced, LinkedIn has started the push to take AI tools on LinkedIn and put them behind the paywall. So I think that's what's going to happen. You're going to see more people being pushed toward the paid version of LinkedIn. I also think there are going to be people, they're going to start using artificial intelligence more on their posts and stuff like that and may lose that personal touch. Mm -hmm. Those people who start using AI and remove the human aspect of it are going to hurt on LinkedIn from that because LinkedIn thrives on relationships and real activity. You can't phone in LinkedIn. People all the time try to take shortcuts. There is no shortcut. There also is no stop button. You can't go, I'll try it for a while, cool off for a while, and I'll come back. Mm -hmm. Any break in continuity is a break in brand traction. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be authentic. So I see LinkedIn yeah, going maybe more toward the paid version. I see subscribers passing 1 billion in the mm -hmm. next month, few months here. Mm -hmm. But it's still going to be the same thing as it had been since I started my LinkedIn journey. I really believe less than 20% of the people on LinkedIn have any clue what they're doing. That's what I believe. So if you're one of the ones who has a strategy, who has a heart for helping others and building relationships, and somebody that even has the, the drive to do something that you don't feel at the moment, but you know what you're doing will have a long-range impact on your brand and your business, those are the people that succeed on LinkedIn. The people that try to automate processes, the people that try to join like engagement groups to ramp up their views mm -hmm. on their posts. Those yep. kind of people, I can see right through an engagement pod left and right. Mm -hmm. When I see someone who has not had one like or comment in their whole life, all of a sudden have 20 in one day, that screams engagement pod, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the thing about engagement pods is, first of all, they go against LinkedIn's rules about gamifying the system. But from a brand perspective, if I kept my voice and my content amongst a small community of people, I would not get the opportunity I have right now to train people around the world. By the way, when COVID hit, I was sweating bullets. I said, I'm a public speaker. COVID has hit. I'm done. I was wrong. COVID blew my business up. Since COVID, 90% of my business is outside of the Eastern United States. It's around the world. So COVID helped ramp up people accepting online training and technology. So thank you. That opportunity gave me a chance to take my brand to a much wider scale. Congratulations on that, Greg, and congratulations on your success with LinkedIn and just professionally making that transition. Before we go, though, I need our listeners to know how they can get in touch with you and leverage your services. 
I want you to kind of share a little bit about what you do, though. What are the services you provide? Well, I'm going to tell you, my service package has changed over the years because like anyone else starting a new business, I don't have all the answers up front. So when I started my journey, I was strictly a LinkedIn training person working a lot of times with with one-on-one individuals, okay? After about the first year, a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, which by the way, we all need those close close friends, Mm -hmm. said to me, Greg, yeah, you're the LinkedIn guy, but I think you're underselling yourself. You've got one uniqueness that makes you a different kind of LinkedIn guy. You understand personal branding. You understand how to give someone a clear perception of their brand for the very first time in their career. And you have the ability to point them in defining and growing their brand. And I said, wow, thank you. So I made a transition from being just a LinkedIn trainer to a personal branding coach who happens to be the LinkedIn guy. And along that same time, I realized I cannot impact the lives I want to impact if I'm training people one-on-one. So I made a pivot to focusing on corporate and group training and presentations, speaking to universities, major corporations around the world. That's the bulk of my business. But as time permits, I still go back to what I call my bread and butter, which is my one-on-one coaching. And my one-on-one coaching, by the way, is not just for anyone. It's for elite professionals, elite professionals that see the value of their personal brand and then value of hiring someone to coach and instruct them and mentor them on what they need in their career and in their branding journey. Those are my clients. But I would love, by the way, one thing I've learned is I I can help everybody a little. I just can't give everybody the same amount of my time or I run out of time because I get a lot of inquiries. So so if you want to connect with me and become part of my community, go to LinkedIn, write me a note. Please tell me you heard me on Monique's podcast. I'd love to connect with you. As you can imagine, almost every LinkedIn question in the world I've been asked And I know the link to the answer. So don't ever feel like, I don't want to ask Greg. I don't want to wear him out. If it's a LinkedIn question, ask me the question. I probably know the answer. But more than that, if you see an opportunity for me to either do a presentation at your company about LinkedIn presence. So by the way, in today's B2B world, if your team is not on LinkedIn and don't have their profiles buttoned up, you either have an Achilles heel Or if they're buttoned up, you could have a very powerful asset for your company. So that's why I talk to a lot of companies about personal branding. And I said, I do some one-on-one coaching too. But more than anything, I just would like to to be part of your LinkedIn community, help in any way I can. If you want to hear me talk even more, which I find hard to believe, but if you want to hear me talk (laughs) even more, go to my LinkedIn profile, scroll down to the publications area. I have hours and hours of audio and video content there describing how to find a job using LinkedIn, how to network on LinkedIn, how to build your personal brand on LinkedIn. All of that's there so you can kind of do a little homework on your own to kind of figure out how you can improve your LinkedIn game. We're going to link all of his information, you all, in the show notes so you can go directly there really quickly and get to him. Greg, you're like the epitome of, I would say, scaling the solo entrepreneur. You know, they use that term solo entrepreneurship these days, but you have made leaps and bounds in multiplying yourself by doing one-to-many approach versus just only one-to-one. And I'm so happy you mentioned that to the audience because a lot of folks are wearing themselves out with only sticking with one-to-one and also not able to have as much and as broad as an impact as you have had. 
I appreciate you sharing with us, but also making yourself available to all of our little, we may consider inconvenient questions that come to you in DM. With that, Greg, I want to thank you, the LinkedIn guy, for sharing with us today. And I hope to have you on again in the future to share more with our audience. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Monique. It was an honor to be on your podcast today. By the way, congratulations on your success and your podcast. And I want to wish you a wonderful holiday season. And I hope to see you on LinkedIn. You will. Thank you so much. Take care.